Now, I'm thinking Christmas, and I'm happy for Christmas, but Christmas is tough. And Christmas is dark this year in my eyes. I don't know how you guys are taking it. But me, I want a relaxed, stress-free Christmas. How do you like that? And I want a relaxed, stress-free life. Can you get that on Amazon? We know that that's not going to happen. Because try as we might, we cannot escape our circumstances. We can hope for happiness, but we might be disappointed. Now, you might call that pessimism, or you might call it realism. I don't know which one to call it. You are the most popular guy in this room right now. Realism, okay. But what I find interesting and encouraging is that even in the midst of a tough, dark Christmas, we can receive the Word of God and be highly favored by God. And to be blessed by God is better than being happy. So that's why we're in Luke chapter 1 and reading from verse 26. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. 
Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. So you can see we're looking at the announcement. That's what it's called in the Bible, the announcement. And we get a little context set up for us there in verse 26. The sixth month, we see later, refers to the pregnancy of Elizabeth, who is Mary's relative. And she is pregnant with John the Baptist. Now, this angel Gabriel was sent by God to her husband, Zacharias, there in, earlier in chapter 1, who was a priest, who was chosen by lot to burn incense in the temple. That was a privilege that was given to a priest once in his life. Because there were so many priests, they decided to burn the incense by lot. And if it was your time to be on as priest, they would cast lots, and then it might be your turn to burn incense. It was a high honor and one that could happen only one time in your life. And so in this particular time, the lot was cast and Zacharias was given this honor of burning incense in the holy place before God at the time of prayer because incense is symbolic of our prayers going up as a sweet-smelling aroma to God. And here he was in the temple at this most honored time. And here appears an angel and says, your prayers are heard and you're going to have a son and you're going to call his name John and he will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will drink no wine. He will be a Nazarite from the womb and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. And he will come in the spirit and power of Elijah and go before the Lord, the Messiah. His prayers are answered. He's going to have a son. But Zacharias doesn't believe the angel. And he says, really? Aren't you a little late? I'm an old man. And the angel says, well, it's going to happen anyway. Even if you don't believe. 
and you will be unable to speak until this word happens. So for six months, Zacharias can't speak. But he is a believer in the word of the Lord. Does everybody get that? So because it's the sixth month, we realize that the word of the Lord to Zacharias is being fulfilled even as Gabriel is being sent to make another announcement. This is the context for what happens next. And so God sends Gabriel to Mary to announce his will for her, his word. Now, isn't it interesting that for these two announcements, God does not send a prophet, a man, but he sends an angel. And angels, there's no ambiguity. They're bright, they're powerful, they're awesome. So they're speaking the word of God. You don't have to wonder, gee, I wonder if this is God. I mean, the guy is kind of prophety looking. But is this really the Lord? Power. Thus says the Lord. Wow, no ambiguity here, folks. But the angel really isn't emphasized here. We're told a couple of times it's Gabriel, and then for the rest of the time it's the angel, the angel, the angel. Now Gabriel is somebody. He showed up 500 years ago to talk to Daniel and to give him visions and explain them. Gabriel, the same guy, 500 years later. But Luke doesn't make a big deal about it. Shows up, calls him Gabriel, and the rest of the time it's the angel, the angel, the angel. He's not emphasizing Gabriel. What he's emphasizing here is the word which the angel speaks. That is the most important element in this whole chunk of scripture. Now, what this message is about is about grace. And it's mentioned three times. The first time is in verse 28 when he says rejoice. That's a word related to grace. That's a common greeting. So sometimes it'll be translated greeting. But this time it's translated rejoice. Because I think the translators understood there's something different going on here than an angel showing up in power and saying, hi, because there's more to it than that. So it's this meaning of grace that informs this word that they translate rejoice. And this is the thing about grace. When God favors you, you get happy. It's fabulous when God favors you. Then the Lord says, 
or the angel, we can call him now what's-his-face, rejoice, highly favored one. Highly favored one. This is another way to say grace is a way to say favor. And the word means to endow with grace, to give grace to. And the angel is saying, you are highly favored by God. God is singling Mary out of all the women on the planet right now this second. Mary is highly favored above all women. He says, you have found grace with God. Now, favor, we don't hardly ever use that word except to say, will you do me a favor? And you go, okay, what do you want? But favor in this context means God is really open to you and he wants to bless you and he wants to be kind to you. He approves of you. He picked you. You're the one. You're special. So God is pleased with you. How would you like to know that God is pleased with you? that he looks at you and he goes, oh, yeah, hey, good to see ya. What's up? We don't often feel like that, do we? I know for myself, I'm waiting from the piano from heaven to drop on my head in judgment. God says, the time has come. Let him be pianoized. <laughs> but it's, it's a leap from my thinking to think God likes me. The way you feel when somebody comes in and you go, hey, I like you. And you go, wow, can I have a cookie? And you know you'll get it. Or whatever else. It's like, what do you want? This is the way God is toward Mary right now. And he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And listen, when an angel shows up every single time, everybody is afraid. And this was kind of sudden and quick. It's like, Hail Mary! What did I do? Don't be afraid. Oh, when God highly favors you, you don't have to be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid about. You're in. So he says, you will miraculously bear the Messiah. You will conceive a son, and you will name him Jesus. Now that means the Lord is Savior. The name Yahweh, we don't pronounce it that often. We don't use it. It's odd, but it's not quite right to say Jehovah either. 
That's not as good a pronunciation of that name. You get that in the Old Testament with Yehoshua, or what comes out in English as Joshua. So that's what his name means. The Lord is Savior. Now, this son is going to be the Son of God the Most High. He will be God. He's also the Son of David. You notice that in verse 32. Descended from King David as God spoke to David. He made an everlasting covenant with King David. And according to this covenant, the descendant of David will rule on the throne of David forever. And that will be the kingdom of God. Now this also connects this son with Daniel chapter 7. And in that chapter, there is this character, this person, the son of man, who is introduced as an equal to the ancient of days, God. And of that particular person, the Son of Man, it is said that his kingdom will endure forever. So all of these people now come together in one person, the Son of God, the Son of David, the Son of Man. They're all fulfilled in this descendant. And that's why Matthew, when he starts off his gospel, begins talking about the son of Abraham, the son of David. See, that person fulfills the covenants made to Abraham and David. That's why, or how important Jesus is. So he is the one who will fulfill all the covenants of God. All the word of God. This one is coming. Now Mary finds this very unexpected. And she's trying to process this. And you notice in verse 28, she was troubled at his saying and considered, which means her mind has just shifted into overdrive. And she's trying to go, what does he mean? What is this about? Who is this guy? and trying to process things, and she's a little bit, can't process. She's shocked. Now, not only is it an angel who's pretty impressive, but what he says has really kind of, I can't understand this. Now, the words are understandable. But yet, he's talking about something that doesn't make sense because it's impossible. The word of the Lord is not possible because the only way we know how to conceive and bear children is through sexual reproduction. And there is no other way. And Mary understands this. She says, this is not going to work. Because I do not know a man. She is betrothed 
to Joseph, that betrothal is just as sacred as a completed marriage, a wedding. But the two have to stay apart and separate until the wedding. If she were to become pregnant during this betrothal, it would be considered adultery. And she would be liable to judgment and stoning. Now that's why in Matthew, Joseph wants to divorce Mary secretly so she doesn't get killed for this because he did not believe her either when she said, an angel appeared to me and this is the Son of God, he's the Messiah. He says, <laughs> I really like her, but she has flipped. And he goes, I'm stuck. I have to divorce her, but I'll do it secretly so she doesn't get killed. I can do that for her. So she understands this is not normal. This is impossible, humanly speaking. So she just went, I'm stuck. How is this going to work? Now the angel here says it's going to happen because God says so. That is his explanation to her. He doesn't sit down and start talking physics and physiology and what God's going to do and the square root of the cube of the he just says, God says it's going to happen. And it's not by human ability or human power. Therefore, it's not going to happen in a human way. It will happen through God's life. That's what's signified by his spirit. In verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That is the life of God. And the power of the highest. So it's going to happen through God's life and God's power. That that holy child will be called the Son of God. Now, that's the same holy life and power that said, let there be light. And there was light. It's the same one who says now, let the virgin conceive and bear a son. There is no difference. It's through the word of God. Now, it's interesting that God has already called life out of human inability. And not just Elizabeth. He's done this all kind of times through the Old Testament. He says to Abraham, so I'm going to come back about this time next year and you're going to have a son. And Abraham goes, man, I'm 99. Are you cracked? And Sarah, of course, in the tent, behind the flap, is giggling. And God goes, why is Sarah laughing? She goes, I'm not laughing. 
You'll say, oh, yeah, you did. He goes, is anything too hard for the Lord? So a year later, they're laughing. Abraham's 100. Got the son of promise right here. What a hoot. So they name him Laughing. Hey, laugh. Come to the table. But Isaac, the child of promise, his wife Rebecca is barren for 20 years. And then Jacob and Rachel, all his other wives and concubines were having kids, you know, baby factory. But Rachel was barren. So think about Manoah and his wife in the book of Judges, barren. But an angel shows up and says, hey, you're going to have a son. And even Elisha told the Shunammite woman, thanks for taking care of me. By the way, you're going to have a son. She says, don't lie to me. He goes, no, really. The word of the Lord. So women that can't have children, the word of the Lord comes to them and then they have children. And Elizabeth is just one in the long line of God saying, yes, I can do this by my word. I can bring life out of human inability. So this is going to happen because God says it will. Now look at verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. The literal translation of this is, for not even one word from God will ever fail. For not one word from God will ever fail. So you wonder how they got that translation there in verse 37. And there is one version of the Bible that gets it literally. Did you know which one that is? It's the NIV. It's the one that everybody calls the not inspired version and makes fun of. Ha, ha, ha. But guess what? The new international version is absolutely literal with this verse. You can check it out later. For not even one word from God will ever fail. That's what the angel tells Mary. So she says, all right. She submits to the word of God. Now, you know, she still doesn't understand everything. The angel's explanation is not much of an explanation. He just says, God's going to do this. But she just understands this is not going to be the normal human way. And she submits to that. And then she humbles herself before the Lord. She calls herself the bond, the maidservant of the Lord. It just means slave. I am the slave of the Lord. I humble myself. I submit myself. And she receives that word. And there's no argument here. 
Now, you know, believing God doesn't mean you understand everything. But a true bondservant of God believes what God says and submits to that word. That's what you do. Now, this is a part of Christianity that Islam has a very hard time with. And Islam says that this announcement is blasphemous. That God cannot have a son because they take it to mean God having a son in the normal human way. And they reject that as blasphemous. Have you ever come across that? I have. I'll just tell you straight out. God having a son is blasphemous. But see, Christians agree with that. That idea that God has a son in the normal human way is blasphemous. But we reject that too. Because that's not what the word of God says. See, Mary believed God and received his word. The reasons why the Muslims have a hard time with this is that they do not believe the word of God. They won't even read it. And so, whoever does not believe and receive the word of God is not submitted to God. You know, the name of, of the religion, Islam, means submission. But in this, the Muslims are not submitted to God because they reject what God says. They're not even listening. True bondservants of God are submitted to the word of the Lord. Now, the result of believing and receiving the word of God is the joy of fulfillment. You notice how Mary immediately goes up to Elizabeth. She walks in the door. She says, hi, Elizabeth, greetings. And Elizabeth goes, pow, because just at that moment, God fills John in the womb with the Holy Spirit. Just like the angel said, this is fulfilling the word of the Lord spoken by the angel. Immediately, the baby is filled with the Holy Spirit while still in the mother's womb. That baby is a person. That baby is not a clump of cells. The baby is a person while in the mother's womb. That has to be said. Now, because the baby's in the womb, Elizabeth also is filled with the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit tells Elizabeth what's going on. She receives that knowledge immediately. She goes, you're the mother of my Lord. I know this. 
and you are blessed. And you're blessed because you believed. She knows this. Because that's what the Holy Spirit is telling her. Now Mary goes on to worship the Lord too. Because she is just now filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's our scene. Here's Mary, Elizabeth, and John. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're all saying, wow, because it's being fulfilled right now what the Lord says. And I love that. We're having Christmas right there. Mary, Elizabeth, and John all going, wow. And in my mind, this is one of the real joys of Christmas, that not even one word of God will ever fail. That's how valuable and precious it is. It is sure and infallible. Here we have something in this dark, tough world that is infallible. Not one word from God will ever fail. Now you will always be blessed when you believe and submit to the word of God. That's part of it. Now, I find it easy to think of happy is when all my circumstances come together. And this works out and that works out so that I could do this and it all came together just like I hoped it would. Yahoo! That's what I think of as happy. And I think, you know, that's the way life ought to be. And I tell God, trying to help him out, weld it. I want it just like this. Don't let it go out of whack, okay? I'm watching. But life is not that smooth, is it? Like, it all comes together for a, a blinding flash minute. Wow! And then it goes back to normal. <laughs> wow! Is it not more true that life is difficult and complicated and overwhelming? And I noticed that Mary's life did not become smooth as silk and happy and uncomplicated when she received the Word of God. In fact, her life became more difficult, more complicated, because she believed the Word of God and received it. So now Joseph isn't quite sure about her and actually needs an angel to show up to say, no, this is okay, go ahead. And instead of staying in Nazareth, they got to go to Bethlehem to have a baby. You know, nine months pregnant. Could come any time and she's got to ride a donkey? Pregnant? 
and then have a baby in a stable? Is that easy? Run down to Egypt because that baby is going to be sought for by Herod to kill? I mean, life got complicated. Right? And yet, she was blessed because she did believe. Blessed to become the mother of the Messiah. And yes, she did see him die on the cross. That was one of the difficult things, but she also saw him raised from the dead later. She saw him. So I think about, first of all, not one word from God will ever fail. That's for Christmas, but here's another one. To be highly favored like Mary, blessed like Mary. I mean, would that beat any present you get for Christmas? Here's socks and underwear and a little thing of chocolate. That's good. And here, to be blessed just like Mary, highly favored by God for the rest of your life. Would you say, you can have the chocolate and the socks and the underwear, but I'll keep this one right here. Well, you know, there is no way to reproduce what Mary experienced. That is unique. And yet, this word for highly favored, or found favor with God, is only used twice in the New Testament. Once here, and then once in Ephesians chapter 1. Here's the context of it. He says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And you could say, highly favored in the beloved. It's the same word. And you think, wow, favored by God, accepted by God, pleasing to God. In just the same way as the Virgin Mary? You mean God likes me? God is pleased by me? But that's what it says. See, we believe the word of the Lord, that Jesus died for our sins, and he rose again from the dead. So here's two things we can do at Christmas time. One is believe that word. The word of God that comes to us. And then be highly favored by God in the beloved, in Jesus. And be filled with the Spirit, because that's really the result of receiving that word of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why I read Psalm 36 earlier on. 
because I've been thinking about this and thinking this is what I want for Christmas. I'll read it again. In verse 7, it says, How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. Abundantly satisfied. Other translations say they drink their fill of the abundance of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. And in Hebrew, that means he makes you drink. He makes you drink. So it's one thing to say, well, I would like a sip, God. And he says, you can't have any. It's another when he says, here, I want you to drink. Drink. It's good for you. More. How do you feel now? Ah. That's what he wants. So that's Christmas. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Heavenly Father, for highly favoring us in your beloved. Giving us that abundance of your house, the river of your pleasures. And we're not even sure all that that means, really. But I know that your pleasures don't give us hangovers, don't threaten our life or shorten it. Your pleasures are good and holy and right. And your pleasures satisfy our heart. We're going to get presents for Christmas, and they'll be cool for a while. But they're not going to help us when things get tough and dark. We're going to throw the chocolates against the wall. But your abundance, your delights, they will satisfy our heart. And that's what I pray for each one of us today, that you would so satisfy our hearts that whatever it takes, we will continue with you. And we trust you to do this. We understand, Lord, that our lives are not going to get easier. And yet, you can satisfy our hearts and enable us to keep going, to not give up hope, but to look for you.
We believe your word. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.